Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Uh, my name's Ben Till. I'm one of the uh, elders here at Lighthouse. And if you're thinking, elder here at Lighthouse, I've never seen you before. I'm one of the hidden elders. I'm the guy who's over at Bluffton Community. So I'm, I'm leading the team that's over there. Um, but it's good to be back at Lighthouse. It's been a while since I've been here. And uh, believe it or not, this is the like, very first time uh, that I've ever gotten to teach here by myself. So I'm like super excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Fritz. Um, but yeah, let me take a quick second to welcome all the people that are online with us, all of our, uh, our guests from Fostory community, anybody from Bluffton who's maybe on vacation and tuning into this. Um, sorry, you may be going to hear the same message twice. Um, and then all of our Lighthouse community uh, online members who are all over the place. It's always fun to hear the stories about how people are like planning to come here and get baptized in person uh, because they heard a message online. That's a great gift that, uh, that we have here. Um, but I'm going to be... Uh, Continuing on in our, our series called Learn to Pray, um, today we're going to be kind of taking a look at First Thessalonians 5, like we said earlier, um, and, and some of our versions will say, like, pray without ceasing. Uh, the version that I'm going to be talking about today says, never stop praying. So we're going to be talking about that, and, and the whole series is going to be uh, based off of removing barriers to prayer. If you're like me, um, there are times where uh, you, you struggle to pray and, and you, you know, finding it's, it's hard to find the words to pray, those types of things. This whole series is kind of helping us overcome some of those things. Um, and so one of the, the things that I thought about as I was putting this message together is, is all the things that we sometimes say to people. Like we hear them you know, pouring out our, our, their hearts to us and, and they're, they're going through rough times um, and we'll, we'll throw out words like, hey, I'll pray for you. Or I'll be praying for that. And if you're like me, you walk away from that person and you completely forget all of those words. You completely forget all of the things that you just said to them. Um, I actually did that last week, right before I taught this message at Bluffton Community. Um, I was talking to somebody. I was like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying for you on that. And I was like, wait a second. Uh, let me pray for you right now. That's one of the things that I've been really trying to do is to challenge myself Instead of just saying, I'll be praying for you, um, hey, can I take five seconds and pray for you right now about that very thing? Um, Fritz did that a, a couple times when, when I first started coming to church here. Uh, every time before he hangs up the phone, he did that for me, um, and that really, that really touched me, and now it's a game because every time he calls me, uh, when I can feel the, the conversation kind of wrapping up, I throw it in there like, hey, Fritz, can I pray for you real quick? It's like, ah, you know, so uh, we, we try to beat each other to the punch. Um, but I can specifically remember one time uh, we were we were walking along. Let me. There we go. We good? Okay. Um, this always happens to me when I come here, just taking the pressure off. Um, but I can specifically remember walking along the the sidewalk. We were in Bluffton. And I was coaching football at the time, and, and uh, the, the guy that I was coaching with, his dad uh, was, was suffering from brain cancer, and, and it was getting pretty close to um, the end. And, and so he called me, and he, we were just kind of walking through some of the things that he was going through, and he was really kind of telling me some of the things that, that he needed me to help him out with that week, because he may not be at practice. He may not be as ready as he typically is to get the team going. And so at the end of the phone call, uh, I was like, hey, man, uh, we're praying for you, and uh, we've got you in, in, in our thoughts and that sort of thing. Um, and then I hang up the phone, 
and I start talking to my wife about all the things that are going to be, you know, coming up this week, and, and you know, not necessarily um, unrelated to what I was just talking about, but like just kind of going into business mode, right? Um, and as we're walking, we look back and we notice that our six-year-old daughter was not moving with us, and I was like, "Hey, Emery." What's, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you not moving? And she looks at me, as only a six-year-old girl can, and goes, Dad, you told him you were going to pray for him. And I'm like, yeah, babe, I did. It's still not getting it, you know, still not understanding what, where she's coming from. And she's like, well, if you said you were going to pray for him, let's do that. And so we stopped right there on the sidewalk, and my little six-year-old prayer warrior taught me a lesson that day that it's not important to just say things. We've got to do things, right? Um, you know, James 2 reminds us that, that faith without action is dead, okay? Um, and and that's, not, that's not meant to say that, like, we're all bad people, because like I said, I've done this all, all sorts of times, and this, not, this is not a, a message to, to, like, obligate you to do those things. It's just a reminder to, hey, let's take the time to actually pray for people, pray with people, um, and not just, you know, give the, the pleasantries of, hey, I'm thinking and praying for you. Um, one of the, the things that I always think about uh, was when all that stuff was going down in the NFL, uh, was it uh, the Orlo- Dan Orlovsky prayed on national television. It was a powerful moment. He's like, hey, I hear people saying we're going to pray for this guy. Let's just do it. And it was really awesome. So um, just a reminder to do those types of things. Um, and the other thing that, that I always want to challenge people to, uh, I feel like as Christians, sometimes we are the worst at receiving prayer. People ask us if, if they can pray for us. We're like, oh, you know, I'm good. I'm good. You have to waste your time. We're not good right? We're never okay. We always need prayer. And it's always good to allow someone to bless you with that. And in, in so doing, you're actually blessing them because they're, they're able to um, be obedient and do the things that God is asking them and in, in challenging them to do, okay? So again, like I said, we're going to take a, a look at several examples throughout the Bible that help us remember why it's important to never stop praying. But before we do that, let's pray, right? Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Lord, help us to breathe. That's what prayer is. It's breathing. It's pouring out our soul to you. It's crying out to heaven. Lord, give us the desire through your spirit to draw near, humble us to seek your favor and your will as the Son did. Convict us to submit and to kneel before you as our Father, both physically and spiritually. Lord, we need you and you alone. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Fill our hearts. Speak your word. We beg this of you. Amen. So like we said earlier, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Real quick context on this, because we're kind of jumping around to different passages throughout this series. Um, But 1 Thessalonians was was written to a group of people who Paul had visited um, for a very short period of time. The full context, if you want to read that, is in Acts 17, verses 1 through 9. Um, But it kind of kind of goes like this. Uh, Paul shows up 
He goes to the synagogue. He starts to preach the gospel. Um, and as it happens, and as it happened a lot of places, the Jewish people were not super thrilled. Okay, so they go to the Roman authorities and they basically say that Paul's inciting riots and that gets the Romans' attention like, every, like nothing else does. And then Paul has to kind of go into hiding and he actually ends up having to leave after only being there for a short period of time. So he doesn't get to preach the full message. He doesn't get to teach everything that he was hoping for them to teach. And so these words come at the end of 1 Thessalonians when he's kind of giving his closing, he's written this whole letter to them, um, kind of going through all of the things that he didn't get to say, um, and he reminds them of these things. Now, the context and the, the really important part is these words come when these people are being persecuted like nothing else. And he reminds them, be joyful, pray, and give thanks, Right? Those, those are hard things to do in the midst of trial. Those things are hard things to do in the midst of persecution. But Paul wanted to make sure that his, his people in, in this, this area really understood that that's what gets you through. So there's three truths um, that come from this, all right? Truth number one, prayer keeps us alert. Prayer keeps us alert. Truth number two, prayer gives us the strength to persevere. Truth number three, prayer helps us to rejoice and be thankful in all things. So truth number one, prayer keeps us alert. Like I said, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 reminds us right there in the middle, never stop praying. Given the context that I just provided uh, of 1 Thessalonians, this is an extremely uh, interesting and, and, and a little bit different uh, phrase than what we typically would do. If you take this out of context, this just becomes like a catchphrase, right? It's one of those things that we remind people of. And like I said before, th this whole series is kind of taking away the barriers, and one of those barriers is obligation uh, to pray. If you take this out of context, it really becomes more like obligation. It's like, hey, I should never stop praying. Everything that I do should just be prayer. Um, I should be on my knees all the time. I should be face down sometimes. I should have a prayer closet at home. Um, you know, everything that I do should be praying. Well, I mean, again, you read through the entire book of 1 Thessalonians. That's not really what he's saying, Okay. Now, is it good to stop and pray? Yes, absolutely. Um, should you stop everything that you do? Should you quit your job? Should you all do all those things? No. I mean, verse, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, chapter 5, verse 14, he literally is encouraging believers, don't quit your jobs. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't be a burden to those people around you, okay? Um, so that's not, that's not what he's saying here. What he's reminding them of is their response to hardship and trial, that when we go through things that are more difficult than what we can handle, which that will happen, right? God does give us more than we can handle, because if we could handle everything, we wouldn't need them, right? Okay? But when we go through those things, it is prayer that brings us through. Prayer is the way that we stay alert. It's the way that we prepare ourselves to overcome sin and temptation and trial, here are some key examples. We're just going to walk through some scripture that kind of prove this point. Ephesians 6.18 says this, Pray in the Spirit at all times 
and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Luke 18, 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Luke 21, 36. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. The one that I really want to kind of hone in on, though, is Jesus in the garden. Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. We're not going to read through all of those passages, but in verses 36 and 38, he reminds his disciples. He takes Peter, the rock of his church, right? And he takes James and John, the, the sons of thunder. That's their nickname. So he takes like three of his, his biggest, toughest prayer warriors, his biggest, toughest spiritual dudes. He says, hey, I'm going over there to pray. Keep watch with me. And as we all know the story, or most of us know the story, they fall asleep. They do exactly what I would have done if I'm in the garden with Jesus when it's late at night and it's dark. Verse 41 reminds them again, keep watch and pray. Jesus knew exactly what was coming. He could have run, right? He knew who was coming. He knew what was coming. He knew what followed it. And his response was to go and pray. His response was to become alert. His prayers were this, if it's possible, let this pass. But above all else, your will, not mine. He prays that three times, three times, okay? And again, he prays that knowing the verses from like Isaiah 53. It's God's plan to crush me. He knows what God's will is, okay? The end of this passage sees Jesus alerting his disciples, hey, here they come. He was alert because he was praying. Truth two, prayer gives us the strength to persevere with joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, always be joyful. The instruction immediately before this reminds the people uh, that Paul's writing to, hey, don't repay evil for evil. Don't go back and, and try to find revenge for all of these things. And again, he's reminding them this because bad things are happening to them. But it is joy, it is prayer, it's thanksgiving that will get you through these things. When things are at their worst, it is joy that sets us apart. Several verses that speak to this. 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, Our hearts ache but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Matthew 5.12, Be glad and exceedingly joyful, for our reward is in heaven. It's absolutely inexhaustible. For in this same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. John 16, 22 says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. One of the greatest illustrations that, that I could remember from uh, of being joyful in the midst of persecution uh, comes from a book. It was called The Insanity of God. 
It's a great title for a book, and it's from a guy who, who was uh, over in, in northern Africa um, as a missionary. He was persecuted, um, pretty much had to come home, felt like a failure um, because of the persecution, but he made it his goal and his mission to figure out how do churches thrive in the midst of persecution, and so he traveled the world talking to people who had lived through persecution, and he ends up talking to a guy named Dmitri from Russia. Dmitri spent 17 years in a Russian prison because he had, uh, he had started a house church, and he, and he wouldn't listen to authorities. This is in like 1980s, you know, communist Russia in its heyday. Um, but one of the things that, that Dmitri told him is that the things that got him through this time in, in jail, this 17 years, was every single morning he would wake up, he would, he would face east, he would lift his hands, and he would sing what he called his heart song. Okay? They didn't really go into the details of what that heart song is, but he, he would do that every single morning. And then he would also find pieces of paper, and he would scribble down every piece of scripture he could remember, every account from the Bible that he could remember as encouragement for him. And, and this, this type of stuff got him in trouble every single day. It finally came down to it where the guards had broke him. They had talked to him about how his family had been taken and everything, everything that he was fighting for was gone. And all he had to do was renounce his claim on, on Christianity. All he had to do was say he didn't believe anymore. So he said, bring me the confession. I'm going to sign it in the morning. And that night, the Holy Spirit prompted his family to pray for him 3,000 kilometers away. I'm not sure what that is in, in miles. Um, but he felt through the Holy Spirit, he actually heard through the Holy Spirit, his family praying for him. It re-strengthened him. It gave him joy. So the next morning when they brought the confession, he didn't sign it. Obviously, this enrages the guards, and they start dragging him out. And as he's being dragged down the corridor, down the middle of this prison, 1,500 hardened prisoners who had jeered him, who had cursed at him, who had laughed at him every single time he sang this heart song, could be seen and heard facing east, hands in the air, singing his heart song. In terror, the guards let him, let him go. They're like, who are you? He stands up and he says, I am a son of the living God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And they opened the door and said, get the heck out of here. Okay? Prayer, prayer is powerful, okay? We may not have moments like that. We may not have experiences like that, but they do happen, and they do, they do give people strength in the hardest times. Truth number three, prayer helps us rejoice and be thankful and do the will of God. So verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Psalm 34.1 says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Ephesians 5.20, and give thanks for everything to, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. There's that keep alert, right? And the thankful heart. 
one, one story in particular stands out to me when, when we're thinking about this type of thing. Daniel 6.10. Okay? Um, Daniel is, is a powerful book. It can be a confusing book. Okay? But it is a powerful book when you look at some of the testimonies and some of the accounts that are spoken there. In chapter 3, we see three guys who are tossed into a fire because they refuse to worship the king and instead worship Christ. Okay? Three, three chapters later, a similar thing happens when Daniel, um, who everyone knows, prays three times a day. That was a Jewish custom, and he, he did not stray away from that. They create a, a, a decree that says, for the next 30 days, everyone is only ever allowed to, to, um, to pray to the king, knowing that they're going to trap him, right? So he goes up, and verse, uh, verse 10 says it like this. Now, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, the one that says you're only allowed to pray to the king, he went into his house where the windows of his upper room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Something bad happens. Daniel doesn't stray. He knows exactly what to do. He goes and he prays just like before. So knowing this, the king hears this. King's not very happy about it because he actually likes Daniel a lot, but he knows he has to kind of keep his word. He can't, he can't stray away from, from what this decree, decree says, so he takes Daniel and he tosses him to the lions. The next morning when they, open, when they roll back the stone, it actually says the king was the first one to show up. Uh, he calls down there. He's like, Daniel, did, did your God save you from the mouth of the lions in Daniel responds back with thanksgiving and joy, right? Long live the king. My God has sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Here's the key. God's not always going to pluck us out of the trial and the hardship. He will come down there with us, right? In the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a man like the son, or there was a one like the son of man in there with him. People couldn't even look at him. In the lion's den, the angel of the Lord was there with him, shutting the mouths of the lion. Okay? If you read through the Old Testament and you read into who the angel of the Lord is, it's Jesus, guys. Jesus was in the fire with those three. Jesus is in the lion's den with Daniel. Okay? Prayer is one of the things that gets us through that, through Jesus Christ. So how is this possible? How can you be thankful in all circumstances? How can you, how can you, you know, be reminded to pray? You know, how, how do you be a Daniel? How do you be a Jesus in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Um, well, I think Fritz talks about this all the time. You make a choice, right? You make a choice to, to pray. You, you make a choice that my first response when I'm struggling, my first response when, when I'm, I'm up against it, my first response when I'm not strong enough to make it through this is to pray. Okay, so what's the secret? Do, do I do it three times a day? Uh, do, I, do I build a prayer closet? Uh, do I have all of the things? Do I, do I get tools? Do I need beads? Do I, do I, all of that. What's the training plan, right? The strategy. Some of you caught it earlier uh, when I was praying to begin with. Okay? I asked God to help us breathe. 
okay? We have a little orange book out there on the, the resource table, and it's simply called Prayer, right? And I'm not going to no, I'm not going to try to say who it's by because the guy's name is crazy, um, and, and I'm going to butcher that. But he talks about this in the first chapter of that book, that prayer is like breathing. Without it, we can't live. You ever remember being a kid, right? And this funny thing is, is my kids are doing this all week. We, we have a pond in our backyard, and it's like, hey, Dad, Dad, count how long I can hold my breath. And they go under the water and they hold their breath, and then they come up, and it's like, yes, new record, 11 seconds, or something like that. They, they got to they gotta hold, they got to work on that a little bit. Um, when was the last time you saw an adult doing that? <laughs> right? Because as we get older, we realize it's not cool to, to hold your breath. Like, that's, that's not a fun thing to do, right? Um, and so when we, when we reshape this, and we think about prayer as breathing, okay, it put it in perspective for me, and I hope that that illustration puts it in perspective for, for you guys as well, that, that I, I don't even really think about breathing anymore. I just do it because I know I need it. I don't need to be reminded. I don't need to be all those things. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm there right now with prayer. There are times where I still need to be reminded to pray. There are times where I still tell people, hey, I'll be praying for you. And then I, would, I turn and I walk away. There are people who do that to me, and that's, that's okay. We're, we're all, like I said, this is a challenge that we're kind of all accepting for this. Um, but it can become unconscious, like breathing, right? It can do that, right? Um, in this book, he says it like this. If prayer is like breathing, then it isn't about our expertise. This is super encouraging for me. It's about our experiencing the power of the one to whom we pray. It's about the great expectations that grow in us when we have a genuine experience of the God who hears and answers. We don't need experts, and that's a strong encouragement to churches filled with many members and even pastors who feel like novices. Guys, there are times where I feel like a novice. There are times where I feel like I have no idea what to pray, how to pray, how long to pray, all of that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. If those are the questions that we're asking, we're looking at this all wrong. We're looking at prayer as an obligation. It's a skill that I have to master. Okay? I have to get it right. I have to, to make sure that I sound spiritual. I have to impress everybody who's around me for crying out loud, I'm an elder of a church, right? So I better be good at praying, and I better sound like I know what I'm talking about. Okay? Those are things that I think to myself. But here's the thing I want to I ask everybody. When you had little, little kids, your parents, or have you ever been around little, little kids, did you ever get like annoyed with them when they, they didn't know how to speak and they were asking for something? Okay? Most of the time, when, when a little child is, is like babbling and they're trying to get you to understand, I just need the milk, Dad, okay? They have no idea how to express that. They, they have no idea how to ask for that, but they're babbling. You drop everything you have and you put your sole focus on that babbling little child who desperately needs something and you try to translate 
And you don't stop at anything until you figure out, hey, they just need the milk, all right? And here's the thing. As long as it's something that they can have or need, you provide it for them. If it's something that they don't need yet or shouldn't ever have, you don't, okay? And that's not really any different than the way that God answers our prayers, all right? It, takes, it has zero obligation to get things right, zero obligation to, to communicate perfectly, okay? And I know this because it talks about this several times in the Bible. Matthew 7, 11 says, so if you sinful people, let's talk about us, that's a good, that's a good uh, title to have, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. It's actually better if we don't have the right words. Because then the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I don't know about you, but I, I, I trust the Holy Spirit much more than I trust myself to ask God for the things that I need. Okay? So to help us start, we always have next steps on the back of our blue card. And so this week, uh, I want you to, to take out your blue card. It's in your bulletin, like we said before, and, and some of you maybe have filled that out. Um, but on the back side there, um, there are some different things that we have on there. And let me first just, just stop and, and talk about the last one, okay? Um, I'm an elementary principal, okay? I, I, I get that not everybody is, is built to be around little kids, um, but man, what a powerful ministry that is. And here's the thing, I don't even serve there, okay? But I can remember being here uh, before we started Bluffton, and I was sitting like right there, okay? And I was struggling with why in the world am I an elementary principal? I was a junior high teacher. I coached high school football. I like the big kids. I like the ones that I can talk to and that I can have conversations with. These little ones, whoo, they're a lot, Okay? And Fritz, Fritz was up here talking about the 4 to 14 corridor. Okay, the 4 to 14 corridor, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it again, is 80% of people, roughly, come to faith between the ages of 4 and 14. Okay? And I can remember sitting right there, and there was a prayer partner right in front of me, and I don't know if she's here today or if she's going to be in the 11-11 or if she's still here or not. I felt so bad for her because I went up there and I slobbered and I cried and I snotted all over her shoulder because I finally understood why God called me to be an elementary principal, okay? Guys, Lighthouse Kids is not just babysitting. Lighthouse Kids is where we help kids say yes to Jesus. It's where they may hear, hear the gospel clearly for the very first time. Okay, that is a powerful ministry. And even if you're not called to serve there, because we're not all called to serve there, so don't, don't feel like that, okay? But we're praying for them, right? Okay, and if you are feeling that nudge, I would encourage you, just, just think about it. Ask about it. Go, go over there and, and see what it's about, okay? Because um, that's a powerful thing. 
All right, uh, but the first one on there, we always talk about this, and we're going to talk about it until, until we're gone. All right, we're here to help people say yes to Jesus, right? So if you hear the Holy Spirit nudging you for the very first time today, I encourage you to mark that because people will reach out. People will pray for you, all right? The second one that's on there is, is uh, a Begin Where You Are article. And this is an article that I found um, that is from Desiring God. And, and it really just kind of talked about the things that we, we talked about today where I have no idea where to start, how to, how to pray, all of those things. This article kind of walks you through some of those important steps on how do you start to pray in all things? How do you start to, to get to the point where prayer becomes like breathing? Where do you get to the point where I'm, I'm putting all of the obligation to sound spiritual to the side and just start praying? It's a good, good resource there. The third one on there is something that I, I hope will be practical um, because there's another book out there, Praying the Bible, that, that we're using for this series. And it talks about how if we just use the Psalms or use Scripture, okay, and we just start praying through the things that we're reading, okay, that will help us. So I've got Psalm 119.35 on there. 119.35 says this, Help me live my life by your commands because my joy is in them. And so that next step is just simply praying that every single morning. As I get out of bed, I think about or I read Psalm 119.35, and I just pray those words. Lord, help me live my life by your commands, because my joy is in them. It speaks to everything that 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 talked about this morning. Okay? So at Lighthouse Community, we want to pray for you. And, and we're going to do that here in a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I just want to uh, take some time to pray ourselves. Um, and, and as we do that, one of the things that we always, we always ask is, God, what are you saying to me right now? So I ask you to, to bow your heads and ask that question. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to go into prayer partners. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminders that you will intercede for me, for us, at all times, but especially when we don't know what to pray or what to say. Lord, you are the good Father. You help us when we need you the most. We trust you, and we put our lives before you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.